you know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Well, no sense worrying about it now. Why worry? Each of us is wearing an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back. Yep. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Yes, the epic sounds of the amazing Code Electro. Post-apocalyptic sounds, the perfect soundtrack for California today. (laughs) Uh, Staring out the window right now, staring at a red sun. Um, It's not as bad as some of those images from San Francisco. But fuck me, it is intense today. Uh, we are in eastern, northern eastern California. Well, not even northern eastern, L.A. rather, you fucking idiot. Uh, and uh, the fires are finally getting the smoke and the danger in our direction. It's headed in our direction right now. Uh, I'm staring outside, uh, and it's overcast. It's seemingly overcast, like a foggy day, uh, but it's smoke. Uh, which is uh, really great for a dickhead that has asthma like myself. Uh, You guys have heard me talk about it on the show. Uh, I've got comments on how great uh, and raspy my laugh is. It's asthma, guys. (laughs) Let's just be real about it. It was one of those things that uh, I uh, was gifted to me from birth, and uh, asthma and allergies have been something that I've struggled with um, for my life. And moving here to California has been an interesting challenge because uh, apparently there's stuff in the air out here besides the smoke that uh, trigger my allergies. Most of the time, I'm only allergic to dogs and cats, which is pretty simple to avoid. You just don't go to places that have dogs and cats. That's pretty much it. Uh, Well, it's not that simple. I mean, every asshole has a fucking purse dog these days, right? You've probably got one at home, right? You've got one of those like little, uh, little love toys. They're kicking around. You just feed it every once in a while and it shows up and gives you love whenever you need it. Yeah. 
yeah, those things like to strangle me to death. It's pretty cool. <laughs> How are you guys? I wanted to jump on here today. We were supposed to uh, be recording an episode for one of the future episodes of the main podcast, um, but that got last minute rescheduled. Uh, I don't want to tell you who the guest is, but it's a good guest. I just don't want to mention who the guest is just in case it falls apart. But um, let's just say uh, he's a director and recently did a pretty big movie uh, with Tom Hanks in it. So hopefully that stuff comes together for our schedule. I feel like I just jinxed it by even saying that much. Um, But uh, I think they're going to reschedule for next week for recording. So that'll be out. uh, If it records next week, it'll be out like three weeks after that. So... That's how intense things have been for us here at the podcast. Both Liam and I have been um, very busy uh, putting together shows, putting together a queue of episodes for you guys. As we approach, we are approaching the 100th episode. Can you believe it? I can't fucking believe it. I started this show in my attic back in Boston. Uh, what was it? Three years now. That was three years ago. Uh, started as just something I would do every once in a while. Had a couple guests on the show. Talked to a lot of friends. And the show just continued to blow up. Continued to get bigger. Uh, relocating out here to uh, the, the, the scene of apocalypse. <laughs> uh, actually, was really great for the show, too. You know, because we've had bigger and better guests. And and before we got into uh, this COVID bullshit, uh, we actually had people local in the studio recording them. So um, it's been great. It's been so cool. Uh, and I'm very excited uh, to have the 100th episode. And I think we're going to just have a celebration for that show. And here's the thing. If you guys want to be a part of the 100th episode, we're going to probably record it next week, Right. I think it's going to be next week. Um, send us an email. Send us an email to inlovewiththeprocess at gmail.com. So that's inlovewiththeprocess at gmail.com. And you can send us a review for the show. You can send us a love letter. You can tell us. You can send us some fucking hate mail. Uh, and we'll read it on the show. So definitely send us some, some uh, what you think of the show, what your opinion is <laughs> of us. I think that's great. Um, the worse, the better. I'm into that. And if you want to, too, you can actually record that stuff. So if you just want to record a memo on your iPhone and email that over to us as well, as well we'll play it on the show. And uh, you can also reach out on the Instagram accounts, whether you're uh, contacting me at my personal Instagram at Mike Petchy, or if you're contacting the podcast Instagram, which is in love with the process pod. That's in love with the process P-O-D on Instagram. You can leave us messages there as well. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to come on and, and hang out with you guys a little bit this afternoon because I, I had everything set up. So uh, why not just fucking do a podcast, right? Why not do a quick and easy one? Um, yeah, it's, it's fucking nuts. I keep getting distracted. So here's what my morning was like. A, I got a message this morning that our show had been rescheduled. Okay, no big deal. Then went outside to get the mail and literally inhaled smoke. Like there's a, there's a lot of fucking smoke out today. Uh, so then, of course, you look at your phone. You're like, okay, what's the air quality? As if you need to know. Um, and it's pretty bad here in Glendale. It's 
it's terrible in Pasadena, supposedly. It's like really bad in Pasadena because there's like, I forget what they're calling it. I don't know if it's like the woodchuck fires or there's, there's wildfires directly north of us that have been raging for the past few days. And now the smoke is sort of making its way down here as if this valley, <laughs> as if this like little plot of sand in between mountain ranges wasn't already shitty enough as far as air quality is concerned. Now we have this smoke stuff to deal with, which, okay. So my first notion was like, oh, all right, well, we need to figure this out for the house. I actually went out because we have like a central air system, which is kind of cool. And it has a, a center vent in the middle of the house that sort of pulls all the air in the house up into it and then runs it through the AC unit. Um, and so I actually went and I found some really cool hypoallergenic filters for it. So this stuff supposedly takes out dander, takes out uh, pollen, and uh, also takes out smoke. So I got one of those for the main filter in the house. And then I took uh, my buddy Kruda's advice because he has dealt with something like this in the past. And I just got a box fan. I stuck one of those filters on the back of that box fan. So if you hear a little fan noise in the background, if the show doesn't sound as clean as it usually does, well, fuck you. <laughs> I'm leaving the fans on. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's interesting. It's fun. And with the allergy stuff, like I said, when I moved out here, uh, we've been out here a year now. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's been a year at this point. Um, and we moved out in September. So I apparently missed this period of time between like May and July where something happens, like some tree is spitting its fucking pollen in the air, something happens that triggers my asthma in a bad way, in a pretty intense way. Uh, I couldn't figure it out because this is very new, very new to me. Like I said, unless that tree's growing cats, and there's wind blowing through cat assholes, and it's just getting that dander in my lungs, this is something completely new. Um, and, uh, you know, in the beginning when... When you have these symptoms and you have this this thing happen, you you're like, okay, so this is just my mind. I'm I'm exaggerating. I'm panicking, but I ended up getting a couple of really intense asthma attacks. I had to go to the emergency room. I don't know if I talked about it on the show. I might have, but I ended up having to go to the emergency room out here in California, which during COVID was quite the experience. I felt like John Carpenter was directing my emergency room experience. I was waiting to put on my glasses and see all these alien-faced doctors that were treating me in the parking lot of the hospital. It was insane. It was insane. They had set up like these quarantine tents, and inside the tents were chairs that were six feet apart. So they were only, you know, you have like a what a 20 by 20 tent, and there are like maybe a dozen chairs in there max, not even that. I, I'm terrible with math. Um so you sit in this thing, someone comes out with a mask and they go, what's your problem? And you tell them what's going on and then you sit there and you wait. Now it hasn't changed the wait time for the emergency rooms. That's still as long as it's ever been. Um, but you sit there and you wait and then someone else comes out and asks you questions and then they send out a, a, a doctor's assistant and they come out and ask you questions and they're like, okay, well, we should take a chest x-ray. I'm like, okay, just to make sure that there isn't anything in your lungs, like something important in there that's that's uh, fucking up your shit. Okay, cool. So I assume that I would just mask up 
you know, maybe put like a face shield on me and then send me into the X-ray, x-ray room. Nah, not during COVID. Mm-mm. They wheeled out the x-ray machine into the parking lot. Can you imagine? I'm sitting in the parking lot and the landscaper is out there with a leaf blower trying to clear out the pavement in the parking lot. And I have a doctor with a stethoscope on my back going, let me just hear how you breathe. And I'm like, how can you hear anything? <laughs> There's a fucking leaf blower right here. That's blowing like the parking lot clean. And you're trying to listen to what my lungs sound like. Ridiculous. And then in front of everybody, and it's, it's not like them taking off my clothes or anything. It's just very fucking surreal. They wheel out the x-ray machine, which is on wheels. And the thing, whoever constructs x-ray machines, like whatever manufacturer puts these things together, it looks like it's from the 1980s. It literally looks like it could be a prop from Stranger Things. And it's like, like old school communist Russian design with like that, like that fucking pea soup green, you know, and they come out with this thing and there's no, there's no laser guidance system on where they're sending the x-rays either. They're like, eh, I think this is right. And then they hand me a lead plate and I'm like, put this behind your back on this chair and like try to balance it. And uh, they fucking shot me full of fucking x-rays right there in the parking lot. fucking crazy man um it was wild very wild uh they ended up putting me on uh, different types of steroids so uh now i've got like this collection of inhalers and uh got my hands on uh some pills that were steroid pills and then they had me running that for months like two months and um in that time my lungs got stronger which was good um, but I also feel like whatever the fuck was coming out of whatever tree at that time period just stopped. Like that sex session between whatever plants are out there just blowing their fucking semen into my lungs, that stopped. And so it seems to be better, you know, until I woke up this morning and now the new thing is the smoke, which is interesting. So for those of you who are thinking about moving to Los Angeles and you have asthma, stay tuned. <laughs> Uh, and thanks for listening, by the way. And I'm going to rant about this because today's episode is just about catching up. A lot of people are like, what are you up to? And you've had guests on. You really haven't talked to us in a while. And this is what's going on. Behind the scenes, I'm still prepping. I'm prepping one of the movies. And we'll get into that as the show continues. I'm using this new storyboard software, which I really dig. And we'll get into that. Um, I've also been helping Gina with her big project that hopefully is going to be releasing soon. I don't know what the drop date on that is. I think they're talking about October. I think October with all that stuff. And I'm telling you, the music videos that she's done uh, for B. Miller is the, is the artist that she's working for. The music videos that she's done are amazing. And these are quarantine videos, right? So this is no crew, stripped down, shooting it. Most of the time, it's just her and the artist. Um, and the stuff that we've been doing, I've been editing a lot of the stuff for, um, it's beautiful, emotional. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Um, it's been a lot of fun working for her, uh, and actually being able to, you know, give her a lot of my experience and sort of the leg up that she's needed to get to this point, but then seeing her run with whatever knowledge uh, she was able to get from me and make it her own thing. And it's amazing to watch. And 
that's, that's really all I want. And that's really what I want from this show, okay? Those of you listening, because Lord knows you guys don't pay me. <laughs> uh, and people are like, well, why do you do it? Well, look, the truth of the matter is, is that, and I heard someone say this. I saw a really good interview with, uh, oh, it was with Kevin Hart. He was on Joe Rogan, and he was saying this, and I'm, I'm going to misquote him. But he was essentially saying that it's our job to make sure that we're teaching the younger generation, we're teaching the people that are coming after us for them to get better, for them to be able to take that experience. And by no means do I expect you to take anything that I give you as the word of God. Because I know everybody's looking for that right now. Everybody's looking for the answers. Everybody's looking to follow a specific set of rules. We're getting fucking crazy about that. Uh, No, no, no. I'm just telling you what I've done. The experiences that I've had, the choices that I've made, uh, as, as he said on his show, the doors that he's opened, the wrong doors that he's gone through. Um, and you take this information and you use it. And if you want to use it, you use it. If, it's, if it applies to what it is that you're doing, you do so. But you at least have that information. You have those skills to be able to advance to the next level. Because like what Kevin Hart said, if you don't, as a populace, if we haven't advanced to the next level, if this next generation isn't bigger and better than we are, then it's on us for not sharing. Right? So remember that. Next time that you get all fucking crazy about sharing your ideas and it's like, oh man, they're going to steal my shit. Come on, asshole. (laughs) Right? Because they'll come back. The people that I, that I share things to are always coming back. They're always involving me in their work. I mean, I've been blessed to work with Gina on her projects. And it's really cool. It's really cool to just edit for her and edit for somebody else for a little while because I've been able to hyper-focus and dive deep into pacing. Like deep into pacing. And there's something about cutting footage that you didn't shoot. That's really important for that. Because then I have no emotional attachments to it whatsoever. And, uh, you know, over the past couple months, I got fucking pacing down, man. Fuck it down. I love it. And it, it's, it's so crazy. I, I, I've tried to explain it on the show. I've had Brett on the show, the editor for Mandy, and I'll try to have some more editors on the show as well. And we've tried to really explain the magic that is editing. Because it's fucking magical. Okay, so you have, and you know the theory, right? You take a bunch of shots for a scene. And then you cover that scene to make it interesting. But also to reveal things about the character. And also reveal things about the script and the plot. But also reveal things about the theme, right? And so you're covering a sequence. And if you're a boring piece of shit, then you're just like, why chalk close-up, close-up? Right? Like TV coverage. Everything we see on fucking Netflix right now. TV coverage shit where you're looking at it and you're like, okay, so someone took a handheld camera and shot a two-person shot and then they shot a close-up and a close-up. And that's the whole fucking scene. It's three people in a warehouse talking about stuff instead of actually doing it. Instead of fucking showing us what's going to happen next. God damn it. I was watching a bunch of shows last week. What was the big one? I'm also I'm almost hesitant to to say it because I've got a good connection to get folks on the show from from Amazon, but 
fuck, dude. All right. So I was watching The Boys Season 2, right? Have you guys seen it? All right. The Boys Season 1, fucking fantastic. Phenomenal. Action-packed. Full of really great characters. Really, like, it grabs you by the throat. In the first step, in the first three minutes, they do a great job. They grab you by the throat and they drag you happily through fucking how many episodes is that? I don't know if it's like 12 episodes, eight episodes. I think it's 12. Drag you through the first season to the point where you're at the end, the final shot in the first season where you go, I cannot wait for this fucking thing to come back. And that says a lot, right? So, Needless to say, I was very excited about season two. And so Gina and I sat down. They just put out the first three episodes of season two. And we started watching. Now, let me say straight off the bat, the show is very pretty. They do a really good job with the cinematography. They have this whole blue key light thing that they're doing right now. Dig it. Like it. Really cool. And for those of you who don't know, The Boys is based on a comic book series. I think it's like Gareth Ennis or someone did that it's based on a comic book series right so the show feels like a good graphic novel they're lighting it that way they're shooting it that way okay so technically really good job but the show lacks so much luster i'm gonna say it right now the new season the first three episodes lacks so much luster they have these long it suffers right now from everything that is being made by streaming services where the goal is to have some sort of ip or content that they can stretch over 12 episodes or over whatever however many seasons that they could possibly get their hands on so that way you continue to subscribe that's it that's why they do it they put out hours and hours of content to keep your time keep you invested Right now, that's the big currency in the entertainment world. It isn't necessarily just money. It's time. Time is a huge currency. And the longer that you're on a service, the longer that you're watching shit on YouTube, the more they make, the better it's going to be for them. So I'm watching the first couple of episodes of this fucking show, which I love the show. And so you watch the first scene and it's like, Two people looking at each other, having this conversation. And this conversation doesn't mean anything. And they're talking about what they did, what, they, what you just saw them do. And they're just talking about it. And you're like, I know, I saw this. I know, I know. Can we do the next thing? And then they talk about what they're going to do next. And you're like, can I just see it though? Can I see you? Do- okay. All right. And have you noticed in these shows, they do this, this coverage, right? They do this editing for these scenes that some of you may not remember this, maybe because I'm a bit older, but it, everything seems to harken back to fucking soap operas right now and really bad lifetime for women fucking dramas. Really that lifetime network. So all the coverage for these sequences, you'll see two people have a conversation. They'll say something poignant. They'll get to the point of whatever that conversation was, and then they'll do reaction shot. And they cut to a reaction shot and the person sits there and sits there and sits there and sits there. And on this show, then they go to a second shot and that person is now walking, still thinking about what was said 40 seconds ago. Now they're walking and they're sitting down 
And then they cut to another shot and then they sit there and then they sit there and you feel like in the background, the director's like, okay, and this shot's going to be the reaction shot. Okay, ready? And give me the, he just told you you're a fucking asshole and react. And then he's looking at his watch going and hold it, 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 hold it. Maybe put your head in your hands. Oh, I like that. Okay, we'll get a second shot of that. Okay, and hold it, hold it, hold it hold it good cut how how long was that uh that was 15 17 that was 30 seconds uh fantastic we'll knock 30 seconds off the time for this episode and you're like what the fuck man i'm just staring at people doing nothing and not in like an artistic way not in like uh i'm being an asshole nicholas refen kind of way right this is just bullshit fucking soap opera crap how dare you fucking sleep with him I didn't know he was my brother. I didn't know he was your brother. He's your brother. <gasps> hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Reaction, reaction, reaction. Turn towards the other camera. <gasps> hold it, hold it, hold it. What the fuck? <laughs> it drives me insane. It drives me insane because you're sitting there and you're about a halfway through the episode and you go, nothing has happened. It has been gorgeous, but nothing, zero has happened. Which is mind-blowing to me because normally when this happens in these shows, they have a budget, right? And it's amazing to me that any of these shows can make uh, a series at the level of quality that they do, which is practically feature film level quality, with the budget and the time frame they have. When you look at the time, I think the boys' episodes are like fucking 60 minutes. That's If they do 12 episodes, that's 12, practically 12 movies, Right? on a budget that is barely enough for a blockbuster. So off the bat, props, straight fucking props to you to be able to make that happen. And I've had guests on the show, whether they're cinematographers, we had uh, Jeremy Benning from The Expanse on the show, and I talked to him about that. It's like, how the fuck do you guys do this on that time frame and that schedule? It's insanity. And the way that they're able to pull it off, 100%, is they have a lot of these shortcuts right? You have what they call bottle episodes. You have these moments where you look at your budget and you go, okay, look, I've got this much money. We're going to fucking drop some coin on the opening episode. We'll have a big sequence, right? Think about all the shows you watch. This is that, this is going to be where the fucking plane crashes on the beach. We'll have epic fucking VFX, people getting pulled out of the airplane as it's going down chairs and we'll crash it on the beach. We're going to build a giant fucking, uh, piece of that plane fuselage and that's going to sit on the beach and it's going to have all the characters of the show on that fucking beach you know what show i'm talking about right all the characters and they're going to be on the beach so we're going to have all these extras and all these folks that's episode one right so then what we're going to do is we're going to draw out some of those conversations around that fuselage we're going to draw out some of those conversations in the belly of a fucking whale Going back to the boys, by the way, spoiler alert. We're going to draw out and we're going to fucking create scenes to put you in that because fuck it, we built this set. Let's make the most out of this set. What are they going to talk about on the scenes? Does it matter? Let's have them just talk about what they just fucking did. What difference does it make? Let's just clock in that time. Boom, boom, boom. And you're looking at it going, "Ah, you guys are stealing fucking time from me. You're stealing time from me. How many of you sit down and binge shit, right? Listen to this fucking podcast, right? I'm going to try to keep it short. What are we at, 28 minutes? 
I'll keep it under two hours today. I'll keep it under an hour and a half today for you. Because I know time is fucking precious. And so when you're watching this shit, you're just like, God damn it. That was like six hours. Time's gone. And what did I learn in six hours? I will happily sit down and watch anything for six hours that is a fucking adventure ride that teaches me something that I walk away feeling happy and new and re-energized. Unless it's the Kardashians, which we'll get into. Um, I'll make a note of that, actually. Um, But for this shit, how many times do you get off Get off. Get up from watching a television show or one of these one of these long programs and sit there and go, I, I didn't learn anything. You're just exhausted. You're exhausted because they found a couple fucking pop tracks and they slam those pop tracks in there and turn the volume way the fuck up and you're like, wow, this is good. Is it though? Is it good? Or is it just the Rolling Stones in the background that makes that seem like it's good? And by the way, they just blew some cash on that. Why not blow that cash on showing me something new? Show me something new, right? Now, before you go, Mike, you're just an naysayer on this stuff. Mike, you're just a hater. Let me just say on the same streaming service, on the same outlet, there's one of the best shows that I've seen in ages, not just technically, but story-wise. It is a beautiful show. And after watching the first couple of seasons, uh, episodes of The Boys, I had to stop that shit and I put this show on, Marvelous Miss Maisel. That fucking show, every scene is memorable. Every scene means something. And here's the big thing. They give their actors something to do during scenes. Don't you... Do you hate it as much as I do when you're watching a quote-unquote walk-and-talk scene where two people are walking down a sidewalk, but they're walking unrealistically slow and they're just sort of looking at each other and they're having a conversation, not even watching where they're going. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you had a conversation with somebody that wasn't on their phone at the fucking same time or wasn't eating a sandwich, right? We're... We have such low attention spans at this point that we're doing two or three things at the same fucking time. So when do you ever have these conversations unless it's a very strong emotional conversation, right? But this wasn't. The one I'm referencing wasn't. It was two people talking about shit that they had been talking about for five fucking scenes. The same shit. You're my brother. Uh, I've always taken care of you. You're my sister. I love you. You're my brother. Next scene. I've always taken care of you. I know. Next scene. I can't believe that this is happening to us. We're siblings. I get it. Fucking three scenes in. This is the golden age of fucking television, people. Why does it feel so stupid? And I know it's so fucking dangerous for me to be saying that stuff, but it's the truth of it. I love that show. I know how good that show could be. The first three episodes of this season were dumb. And maybe they'll come out and the news will come out and they'll go, look, it was because we were trying to cram it in before COVID and we just didn't have the time and we had issues with the writer stuff. So just stick with us. We'll bring it back to where it is. Please do. Because I love the show. I think the fucking talent on the show is really amazing. I think that, um, uh, what's his name? Oh my God, Seth Rogen. I think that Seth Rogen's fucking production company is balls out awesome. Uh, But 
The same shit happened with Preacher, man. It's because these things shouldn't be that long. They stretch them out for such a long period of time in order to get people to watch them. How many of you have a love-hate or loathe relationship with The Walking Dead? Right? That is one of the most profitable, if not the most profitable television show. And they know it is. And they want it to be the most profitable television show for a long fucking time. And they haven't been able to get their spinoff shows to be a hit. Right? Because the magic, magic of that casting. And one would also say that maybe it has something to do with, you know, the original director that was hired for that show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't Wow, what a cool rant. I don't know how I got... Oh, yeah, I, I know how I got there because I was really upset about it last week when I was watching that stuff. I, look, I'm not shitting on streaming services. I love the fact that they're there. Thank God they're there. They're helping the industry right now. The industry needs an output right now. Lord knows no one's going to see things in the theater. Um, and there's a lot of room for creativity. But man... The stuff that is being greenlit and the level of quality that's going through there, it's like, it isn't ballsy. Let's just say that. They're not making any ballsy decisions. They're not like choosing stuff that's like, wow, this is interesting storytelling. Like, this is cool. Or this is a fucking phenomenal filmmaker. I just can't help but think with all these Silicon Valley fucking people that they're more in they're more interested in their branding than they are interested in the content now initially when netflix first started yeah fuck yeah they had to get some really good um talent in there david fincher right get some really good talent in there in order to pull us in to do that like what was it quibi was trying to do that shit they're fucked to begin with because yeah covid killed them um but then it just goes to algorithms. And when you go to algorithms, then what do the algorithms show you? We all know this, man. What does your algorithm on fucking Instagram show you? It shows you cheeseburgers and tits and cats and dogs. The most basic fucking emotional shit towards you. The thing that pumps the most chemical in your brain. The thing that, that gets you high, right? How many of you just tune in to Instagram once a day to look at dog pictures, right? And squeal, yeah, look how cute it is. Oh my God. And you're just brain, it's just being pumped with that chemical and you're just sucking it in. You're like, oh, I feel so good. I feel so good. And then you just shut it off and you're like, huh, what did I do today? <laughs> Was there anything good coming out of that? Or were you just staring at the same picture of a fucking pot belly pig, a mini pig, which don't exist by the way. But what is it giving you? Are you learning anything new? Have we discovered something interesting? Have we heard a story that is inspiring to us? We're living in a time period where everybody wants to make sure that all these voices are heard, right? We want to hear voices from people that haven't been heard before. We're giving, they're giving opportunity to folks to make things that have never made things before at this level. What are they making? What are these voices that we're hearing? It's the same old fucking shit. Right? It's still being put through the same shit. Cheeseburgers. 
cute dogs, big tits, fast cars. Simplicity. Got to go simple. We're aiming, uh, we're projecting to make uh, enough to fund three small countries on this one. So the only way that's ever going to happen is if we hit every demographic. And according to our research, everybody loves cheeseburgers. Now, there are those of them that uh, might be vegan or whatever, but don't worry. Our partners over at the other Silicon Valley fucking company have designed a vegan burger that is just as unhealthy as the fucking meat burger you eat, uh, but it tastes like something from McDonald's. So let's just weigh in the cheeseburgers. That's great. So you're different colored skin. You come from a different uh, family upbringing or even a different country or a different way of thinking. Let's just make sure that they see that in the press photos. But here's your cheeseburger script and action. <laughs> Can you tell? Can you tell that I'm having a bitter moment? Can you guys feel this too? Right? I feel like you do. I feel like everybody sort of feels this in the background. That we're just all looking for reasons not to be examining shit right now. We're looking for reasons to be happy and we're trying to find it anywhere we can because we've been told that uh, we can't hang out with our families. We can't hang out with our friends, right? You're not supposed to. Uh, we've been told that the economy is shit uh, stay in your house, stay quarantined. Uh, guess what? You're also not going to get any help from the federal government at this point. Maybe that'll come in the future, but hey, it's election season. So let's see how that plays. And, uh, if you live in California last week, it was, it's 113 outside. So now not only are you quarantined to your own space, but you can't go outside. And today, it's a fucking smoky post-apocalyptic outside landscape. So now you're quarantined completely, completely. And I get it. I'm the same way, guys. You've seen me on my Instagram post about the food that I'm making, the food that I'm cooking. I'm looking for any sort of stream of, of happiness. Um, and I also, too, get lost in this stuff. YouTube drives me crazy sometimes where I'll jump on YouTube and it's like, I'm going to do a little research today. I want to research some of these scenes because I'm, I'm in the process of storyboarding. So I want to research some of this stuff and I pull up a couple of scenes and I start watching those things. And then it has that autoplay that happens, right? Because they're like, fuck you, stay with us, man. Stay with us because the longer you stay with us, the less time you're on one of those other fucking networks, right? We know you're not paying for everything. We'll hit you with 100 ads. Have you ever noticed now that on YouTube you're watching as many commercials as you would have been watching in the early 2000s on ABC or NBC. And what makes it worse is that I'll tune into YouTube to figure something out. Like, hey, I need to figure out how to use this. How do I render this thing out at 4K resolution? I'll make a look up a YouTube video and three ads and two more ads and oh fuck, I gotta fast forward because whoever made this YouTube video doesn't know how to get to the point and three more ads and there's my answer. Thank you. Fuck you. Right? Do you not feel this? Do you guys feel this shit? Do you not care? Is this just a result of me crossing over into my fucking 40s? 
Is that what this is? Am I now at the point where everything just seems to piss me the fuck off? I don't know. Not everything's shit, though. And the thing that isn't shit is people. Our people. <laughs> Learn how to speak, dickhead. Our people. People are still great. And when I hang out with people in real life, when I have that opportunity to do a safe social distancing hangout, and we have real conversations and we talk about stuff and we learn from each other, it's, it's, it's glorious. And the stories that we talk about, I hung out with uh, Rick Dars the other day. He came over. I love Rick. He's been on the show. You guys know him. You love him. He shoots amazing comedy shorts. He's fantastic. And we sat around. I'm not going to get into details, but he's, we sat around and talked about life. And he told me a bunch of stories about his life. And I told some stories about my life. And this isn't the shit that we're seeing on these fucking shows. It's not like we were sitting there going like, yeah, but then, you know, then, then this happened. And then that person left me. And then, you know, I feel so bad about it. And it, it wasn't the same shit. Uh, hold on. Uh, the bigger demographic understands when the husband was an alcoholic and then he cheated. So in order for there to be some sort of family dynamic here, let's make it so that the husband cheated on the wife. Okay, because everybody, that's good, right? That works? Okay, that's great. Fuck you. I've, literally my neighbor, by the way, here, one of, the, one of the advantages of being in our neighborhood is that our houses are really tight next to each other and there's this guy next door that every day, every day, like clockwork, around nine o'clock in the morning, I hear it. Dun, 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 dun. Bam, 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 fucking law and order every day blaring out of his house so if i have my back door open or from outside i'm in his living room watching law and order with him and it's the same shit it's hysterical to watch quote unquote watch law and order from the other (laughs) from the house next door because you're just hearing it in sound patterns so you hear the and you hear the lines of dialogue and how they're all written the same. Literally, at this point, I feel like that machine just sort of, they probably have a plug-in in Final Draft where they just go, Law and Order Script 6. And they bring it down, and it lays out the entire thing, and they just go through, and they change some of the dialogue. Uh, he approached me from behind and then stuck me in a van, and then I woke up, and I'm pregnant. Okay, great. That's a little bit different than last week, which was... Uh, she grabbed a knife and stabbed me in my, you know what I mean? It's the same fucking formula over, over and over and over again. And this formula is just flowing through everything that we watch. And you sit there and you go, well, is it because people don't know how to be creative? No. There are amazing artists out there. There are amazing storytellers out there. And the people that are doing these are amazing storytellers out there. But the system that greenlights this shit, they will take your great idea and distill that idea down to the dumbest motherfucking thing. And literally, you sort of look at it and you go, okay, so you just, you loaded the fucking Law and Order script and you just put it in there. You're just seeing it. And, And what happens is, is you try, as an artist, you try to have what is the term I'm looking for? Integrity. <laughs> you try to have integrity. 
And you sit there and you go, no, 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 this is the idea. It's a great idea. It's going to be fucking really solid. This is what we're going to do. And so you go when you pitch. You go into spaces and they all fucking turn you down. No, 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 no. Like you. No, no. You're really cool. No, no, no. And you go, but, but why? Oh, because this thing is too dangerous. What you're saying here is such a, a different output or different look at how people interact Dude, maybe you're going to get fucking 10% of the audience with this. You're not going to get you're not going to get enough for us to buy an island here. This is this is a small audience thing. Yeah, no, I get it. Like just give me a little bit of money and I'll build that little audience and that's totally No, 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 no. no. We're going to pass on that because it's too small for us. Oh. Okay. Well, what So then you're like, "Okay, well what are you guys looking for?" Well, here's our system. Here's our formula. We're looking for this right now. And you go, oh, all right. I, I, don't, know, I don't agree with what you guys are doing with this. Y- y- yeah, but this is, remember, a fucking small island here, man. And then the arrogance of the artist where you're like, I'll prove them. I'll prove them wrong. I'll take your idea. I'll take your idea. And I'll go make it my own. And I'll bring it back. And I'll show you why the, the, the combination of our thoughts makes something better, okay? So I'll be back. So then you go do that hard work. And you feel like you're just sort of clicking down on one of those integrity switches where you're like, eh, shut off that one. Okay, let's get to work. And you're okay with it. You justify it and you make something in that range, right? And you're, you're building this thing. And then you put something together that's special and you're like, this is even better than I fucking thought it was. Wow, it's great that we actually had this conversation. It's great that we, we made this really cool. And then you go and you sit down in the same space with them again. And you go, I'm happy that we talked, man, because our conversation, and I, you know, I had to shut off one of those integrity switches, but I'm okay with it because look at what this became. This became something so really wonderful and so different. And they go, uh-huh. And you go, so check this thing out. You, you walk them through it and they're like, great. So we like everything. We like everything but that thing that it became. Because what we're looking for is the stuff that we told you about before this. And we get it. You're an artist, and that's all interesting and fascinating. But the, it's the, 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 we're talking a small island here, man. <laughs> right? Do you, guys, do you guys see this? And so then what you're looking at is a bunch of desperate filmmakers bunch of desperate writers who have been slowly shutting off their integrity switches one at a time. And then they get to that point where they go, I just need to fucking make something, man. What do we do? What do we do? Okay, you want to do a remake? Okay, let's do a remake. All right, let's, let's, let's do a remake. Okay. Yeah, what else you get coming up? You know what I mean? And, and, and that's the world that we're living in right now with this stuff. And to make things potentially worse is that there are an ass load of us out there and a lot of desperate motherfuckers out there that are all shutting off their integrity switches. The smarter ones show up with no integrity switches and they're just like, it doesn't matter. I get it. Small islands, ready to do it. Let's get there. And the ones that are really good are the ones that convince people that that's what they're doing and then they've made it into something better. You know, like the Christopher Nolans and shit. Those guys are so much, he's so much more talented just in the pitch room than I could ever be. 
that's not true. I'll be there. But then I am right now. You know? It's crazy. Crazy fucking shit. It's, it's dangerous stuff to talk about. And look, I love this. I love the system. I like making movies for people. I don't make movies for myself. I like making movies for folks and, 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 and making an experience that's fun to watch, an immersive experience that might teach us something new. Uh, and I believe that films are something to watch. So visual storytelling. You've heard me talk about it multiple times on the show. It's all about visual storytelling. Show, don't tell. Show, don't tell. And you have to tell in a script. This is something else that's fascinating. A lot of people don't realize that you got to say all that stuff in a script so that the people reading it are on the specific path that you're setting them on. Like if you're too vague in a script, then they'll plug in all the details. So in a script, Will does a really good job with this. In a script, you write out specifically what's supposed to happen. And then if you've been studying, like I've been studying acting methods lately, and one of the first things that you're supposed to do is you cross out all that descriptive shit. Like, walks across the room angrily and grabs his hat. Cross that out. Because who the fuck knows if the actor's going to walk across the room angrily and pick up that hat yet. You don't know, and you don't want to confine them. So when you're getting to the point of working with a talent and actors, all that stuff gets scrapped. Same thing with a lot of dialogue. Unless you're like a David Mamet, right? You know what I mean? Or even a Tarantino where you're just like, my dialogue is the reason why you're here. You know what I mean? Other than that, that stuff is malleable. So you're scrapping that stuff. Does it make sense? Does it make sense in the sequence of things? Does it make sense visually to hear them talk about this stuff? And this brings me back full circle to what I was talking about, about the new season of The Boys. I'd rather see them do those things than have them sit around for two scenes and tell me about it. If it's a podcast, then yes, you're going to need to tell me what's happening. But it's a TV show. And I know they know this because the first season was so fucking good. I loved the first season of that show. And it's worth watching. And I'm going to continue to watch The Boys season two. Because it's my hope that this was some sort of freaky fucking thing that happened. Because I think it's great. The characters in that show are fucking awesome. And I want them to be awesome. Please, please, please earn my time in. I love that. I try to earn your time in with what I talk about on the show. I try to earn your time in with anything that I make. Earn it. Ah, what a rant. What a rant. Let's take a quick break and then I will be right back.
So the only ad read I'm going to do for today's show is uh, for our t-shirts, for our merch. Those of you who have been following me on Instagram and following the show on Instagram have seen that we have put out um, brand new t-shirts, right? So we have two different t-shirts available now. If you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com and uh, click on the merch section, there you can pick our, either our storyboard t-shirt, which comes in two different types. You can get it short sleeve or you can get it long sleeve. The long sleeve look pretty badass. Uh, and on the front of the shirt is one of my custom storyboards. Uh, I've, I'm a nerd for storyboards. I love them. It's actually probably my favorite part of the Mandalorian uh, series is all the really cool key art that happens at the end. Uh, it's one of the more creative and exciting parts of planning a movie. Uh, because you're not really dealing with budgets yet. You're not dealing with the restrictions. It's all imagination. Um, and uh, I love drawing out what's going to happen in my scenes. And so for this t-shirt, I did a brand new custom illustration of uh, one of my friends, Evelina Marie, who I had worked with in the past on a couple different things, on the Grindhouse shorts and on uh, The Dead Can't Be Distracted. And I did a brand new sketch of her looking like a badass, carrying an Uzi. Uh, and it's an imaginary movie, but the ideas there, the concepts there, you can see how I would normally sketch it out. It's got a description. It's got like lens choices. It's got all that stuff. And if you work in the film business and you wear that shirt, everybody's going to love it because it's so fucking nerdy. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to create. I wanted to create a really fun, nerdy shirt for us. Uh, it comes in black, so it's perfect to wear on set when we can finally go back on set. And uh, I'm very excited about it. Also up there, finally... I was able to put it together. It's the X-Ray skull that I used for 12KM. Uh, love this skull. Uh, awesome illustration by Orlando Baez. Really great guy. Uh, that t-shirt is now available up there. And a lot of you guys have been requesting it. Uh, so I'm very excited about it. And the other thing that's really cool about this whole thing is that for those of you who have been writing to me and asking to see 12KM, well, a few months ago, I was doing that whole write to me, send me your three favorite horror movies, and then I would choose. I did that for a lot of people. Very excited about it. Uh, but now I'm just going to simplify it. Anybody who picks up either one of the t-shirts, you guys send me a confirmation code via email. You can either send it to inlovewiththeprocess at gmail.com or you can send it to me, message me on one of the Instagram outlets. Um, I will send you a link to see 12cam for free. So not only does your money go to support the show, but you also get to see 12 Camp. Best way to do it. Best way to be a part of our stuff. Love you guys for this. Um, and these sh shirts are all limited, right? These are pre-order shirts. And one of the benefits of me uh, working with a merch company like this is that we do very small prints of these. So it's not like I'm sitting on an inventory. I don't have a box full of fucking shirts. I'm like, hey, all you guys that are double X's, I still have four of those left. You know what I mean? I've been there. I've done that. I've got a deal now where we just print to order. So the benefit of that is that these can be very limited runs, very collectible runs, and I can start to change out designs whenever I want. So that's cool too. So very excited about it. Like I said, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. Click on the merch section. And if you are on Instagram, I always have a link in my bio. 
It's the only place you can put links on Instagram. That or on the swipe ups on my stories. But I try to put a link up there for what the most relevant new episode is. But you can still get to the merch section by going to the link on the bio. It's super easy to do. Really exciting. Um, also, I've got uh, I've asked you guys to give me some reads or some reviews rather on the podcast. And those of you who have been leaving reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts, I love you guys for it. Um, and if you're listening to the show now, the best way to do so, uh, just scroll down. So if you go, I'm doing it right now. Let's see here. Search in love with the process. If you scroll down, on our main page on Apple Podcasts, you can leave reviews. You can leave starred reviews, leave reviews of the show. I've been getting a bunch of them lately. Let's see if I can read one. Hmm. Oh, this is a good one. This one's uh, from Alex for five stars. Thanks, Alex. Uh, it's a filmmaking masterclass. If you're looking for a filmmaking podcast with a true veteran with countless hours of active set experience, this is the one for you. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, Mike goes deep into talking with the best filmmakers in the business. Many of these guys finally get a chance to explain in detail their process behind the scenes. Uh, I like that Mike interviews you, uh, and you usually hear what you've never heard before in interviews. Uh, these are the people that are in the trenches making the look and the feel of movies come to life for the director. Uh, I appreciate that, dude. Uh, that's a great review. Uh, yeah, that's the goal. We try to, we try to get folks on this show that don't normally get the voice or the time on air to do this sort of thing. Uh, I always used to say like whenever I watched Conan or something and like Tarantino would come on Conan, we love him. We all love Tarantino. We love his stuff, but I almost wish that he would just bring on like his key grip that he's worked with for years too. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey Conan, this is my key grip. So-and-so boom. And then like talk to that guy too, because Ultimately, what you try to do is you try to get beyond the campaign trail stuff, right? Because anybody that gets on a show, most of the time, uh, these people are, are promoting their new project. And if you've ever done press stuff, right, you have to practice. You come up with a story. You come up with a narrative that you're then telling to all these press outlets. It's the only way to get through it, especially on these large, large press junkets that... You're sitting in a fucking hotel room and they bring in a backdrop and they just, they just line up, you know, Joe Blow Dickhead, who's got a fucking YouTube channel, then uh, CNN and all these people that sort of come through and you're like, they all have relatively the same questions. Like, how many hours did you get to sleep when doing this overnight movie? You know, and what was it like working with this blah, 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 blah. You know, it's all the same shit, right? All the time. And they just come in and you see it on these poor assholes that have to do this press junket, right? Oftentimes you look at an actor and he's got his arms crossed and he's like back in the chair and he's rolling his eyes. And the unfortunate part is, is that you may just be seeing that for the first time on whatever interview that was that he did that on or she did that on, right? And so you're like, look at this cocky fucking prick. Why is he such an asshole? He's advertising his movie. It's because that poor asshole has been in that room for, you know, eight hours answering the same bullshitty questions, right? What was it like having baby Yoda on set? He was so cute, right? He was so cute. What the fuck? 
what we try to do on the show is I try to get guests. Sometimes I'll get guests that are promoting something because that's the only way you can get it. But oftentimes I'll find people, I'll hunt them down and they're not promoting anything. And I think those are the best interviews because you get them in and there's no need. There's no need on their part to be like, oh, I need to plug this thing. You can plug, totally plug. I will more than happily plug your work because most of the time when you're on this show, it's because I fucking love your work or I respect you as a human. And I want to get to know you better. That's why you're here. But I try to ask questions honestly that I want to know. So I've had a lot of people ask, like, how do you do your, what's your interview process for the show? I don't know. Maybe I've talked about it in another episode. But if I haven't, here it is. I think that what makes a great interview is being prepared. Right? You have to prepare yourself for it. Now, this doesn't mean that for fucking seven days prior to that, I'm digging through, like, I'm hiring a private investigator, and we're digging through your high school fucking history. You know what I mean? What's his name who does Hot Wings is a fucking intense interview. He prepares intensely. He's He's fantastic. But almost, almost in a fanatical kind of way, where he goes deep, deep, deep. I don't do that. I will sit there and I'll go through, if I know your work, then I'll go off of what I know. If I don't know your work, then I'll do a little bit of digging so that I understand what it is that we're playing with. And then I'll write a line of, I won't even be questions. I'll just scribble lines. Like what's on my fucking scribble sheet for today? I've got one word written asthma. I've got two words written air quality, t-shirts. What else is written on here? Dune, which I want to talk about. Storyboarder, which is the next topic that we're going to get into. Just one words that are on a sheet, right? But those words aren't necessarily, they're just there to trigger thoughts. That's it. And that's just to get started. Or if I'm having a conversation or an interview with somebody who's boring as fuck, right? Like, because there have been times where you get someone and you're like, hey, you're, you're not a human that's used to talking to other humans, are you? And so like you're, you're trying to make that connection, which in person is a lot easier to do. That's why I like to do it in person. It's always my goal within the first five minutes to try to break down that barrier and have like a real conversation. And you guys have heard it on the show when it works and you've heard it on the show when it doesn't, right? That's what those, that's what those words are for. So if someone's not really responding, then I go, okay. They're also there because generally what I try to do on the show is sort of keep it sort of circular, right? I'm usually bringing up themes and wrapping up themes in one way or another. Really good fucking interviewers kill that stuff and you don't even realize they're doing it. Or it's just like, wow, that was like a really good book and to the thing that, yeah, yeah, that's intentional. <laughs> uh, I, I, I dig it, man. And one of the things that as we're coming to the 100th episode, we'll, we'll get into this on the, on the episode, but... Um, I've really learned a lot about a communicating with people, uh, really getting to understand how people think and people that don't necessarily do what I like and people that I have a preconceived notion about, uh, go back and listen to the rail, uh, rail, the rage episode with Dale, uh, Dale rest of genie pronounced his last name wrong there, but Dale, was a competitor music video director back when I was doing music videos full time. Uh, and he had some crazy represent, uh, like uh, he had a crazy, re- um, 
Jesus Christ, my brain just fucking locked. Reputation, thank you. He had a crazy reputation of being a guy that would do anything. And he, he had done like over a thousand music videos. It's a ridiculous amount of stuff. And so I literally had him on the show because I selfishly wanted to sort of give the guy shit. You know what I mean? Because he was my competition and that was why I was doing it. And within the first 10 minutes talking to him, I, I empathized with him so completely that I was like, man, you and I are the fucking same. Okay. All right. And we were on opposite sides of the fence, man. And just, just through the power of this conversation, I was just like, fuck, that's crazy. And that's where you came up from. And that's why you think this way. Fascinating. I don't necessarily agree with it, but fascinating. That's why you do. Huh. Interesting. And you know what? In your weird thought process on that, I agree with a lot of it. So, all right. Fuck yeah. Cool, man. You know? Doesn't it sound cool to do that? This podcast has really enabled me to do that. Really sort of hone those skills. And to make me a better listener. And that is the key to good interviews is listening. And if you make a list of stuff and then you sit down and have a conversation with someone, listen to them because you're going to throw that list out the window because you're through what they're saying. You're going to go, why did that happen? Or what was the reason for this? Fast. And what's this like? And knowing that you've done this and this now, how does that apply to this thing? Fuck yeah. That's why it's cool. That's what we try to do on the show. Both Liam and I look for uh, guests that, uh, to come on the show that we think will lead us down an interesting conversational path. Um, we've been very happy with this so far and uh, with the season two is what I've been calling it. Uh, since being out here in Los Angeles, has been fucking fantastic. I hope you guys have had just as much fun listening to the show as I have had making this show. Um, and uh, we try to be as honest as possible about these things. And I'm very excited, very pumped about our 100th episode. We can't wait to have you guys on. It's just going to be a celebration of the show, a celebration of the people that have been on this show, um, and a celebration of you guys. Uh, so stand to, stay tuned, stand by, because that, that's coming out in like two weeks. Uh, I think it's going to be like a two-week run for this. So yeah, two weeks, ma'am. Very excited about that. Where are we at? Okay, hour and seven minutes. I told you guys that I'd be under an hour and a half, and I am going to hold to it. And let me earn your time, as we were talking about before. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was storyboarding. So this is the only real creative thing that I've been personally doing in this time of COVID. And I've been doing a pretty good job at it. I wish I was spending more time with it. But I don't know if you guys feel the same way, right? When you, when you know you have something to do and you're looking for the inspiration to do it and the deadline really isn't that close. So it's oftentimes hard to get motivated, right? Get motivated into picking something up again and going like, do I need to be doing this right now? Yes, I do, but fuck. And I get that sense of anxiety, uh, especially if I'm not doing it because I know that time is eventually gonna catch up with me and that I've wasted all this time not doing it full time. Now, I'm talking about storyboarding. I'm talking about prep. And if you ask Gina, Gina's like, you fucking work your asses off. Your asses off. You fucking work all the time. When do you ever have time for this? You get, you're too hard on yourself. 
But in, in my head, I feel like I need to be, right? Because if I don't do this prep, then who the fuck's going to do this prep? And if I don't do this prep right, then when it happens, and if I haven't prepped it, it's my fucking fault that I haven't prepped it. So I feel that anxiety all the time. I don't know if you guys do too, and it's not healthy. Um, but with this, I've been sitting down. I just did it yesterday. I put in a good day yesterday. Uh, doing some storyboarding, and I found this really great software. And by found, I mean I heard someone else talk about it, and then I started to use it. Okay, so it's not like I'm, uh, you know, fucking Christopher Columbus exploring new fucking territory here. You know what I mean? Oof, what a racist perk that guy was. Anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, David Sandberg was talking about it, and I tried it out. It's really good. It's this uh, program called Storyboarder. Now, it's free. They're not sponsoring me. This isn't a plug. You can find it online. Look it up. Uh, but the thing I really liked about it, like it's got a drawing program, which is kind of bullshit. It's kind of rudimentary. I don't really do that. Any sort of drawing stuff that I do now, I still use my Cintiq, and I do it through Photoshop. Photoshop is just one of those programs. It's like going on a, it's like going to Willy Wonka's fucking chocolate factory. Every time I use Photoshop, I open that program. I'm like, this is magic. <laughs> I love it. And I've been using that program consistently. I mean, like two or three times a week since, oh my God, since like 2001. <laughs> like this has been the tool that I have been most consistently using um, because there's not a thing I can't do in that program. So anyway, I use Photoshop to do my sketches and I've talked a little bit about it in the past. One of the things that I do to expedite my sketching is I usually will bring in stock photo elements, elements for background. Sometimes I'll bring in foreground element or uh, a subject to trace, and I'll go through and I'll do a quick trace of it, which is like a really fast way to uh, sort of set uh, all of the perspective, all the perspectives in a space to sort of set the tone and, and give you structure to be able to draw on. So otherwise, if I was starting from fucking scratch, it'd take me like five hours to do a board. So I go through and I usually do my sketching on that point. And then I use that as a quick, uh, basically like a wireframe. And then once I get past that stage, then I start to put in the details. I'll change outfits. I'll change backgrounds. I'll bring in atmosphere, expressions, that whole thing. The one flaw with that is that you're consistently hunting for source material that works for that image. And oftentimes I'll be boarding and framing based upon the limitations of what I found, right? So sometimes I'm like, yeah, but this camera's going to be lower. I'm going to change that. It's going to be anything. But I can't draw that because I can't remember what an elbow looks like at like a 25 millimeter bowing perspective from the floor up. You know what I mean? Something like that, which is often annoying. The thing that this program does really well is they have this thing called a shot generator, which essentially is... In 3D space, it's 2D shaded subjects with, um, what do they call that shit? Wireframe fucking uh, skeletons on them. So I can actually move these figures around and position them, position their hands in a very specific way. It's like having one of those old uh, figure drawing like uh, models that you'd have on your desk. You know, like those little wire models that you can move around and do that. It's the same kind of thing in Storyboarder but you can do it in 
a three-dimensional space, and then you can move your camera in a three-dimensional space, and then you can lock in specific focal points in that space. So what's really cool about it is it's like doing like a base layer sketch. So I can actually move these characters. I can choose whether it's a female, whether it's a male, whether they're fat, whether they're skinny, whatever the fuck it is, but they don't have any specific details on them. It's just their figures. And I can move them and place them, and I can block them, which is also really fucking cool because then I can block them and start to move the camera around in that space and go like, huh, now I was wrong. We need five guys back there, and this person needs to be over here, and this person needs to be here. So it's been really great. So I now go through the process of building just this little environment, uh, all sort of basic sort of 2D kind of shit in a 3D world, and then I block it out, and then I figure out my shots. And then what I'll do is I'll pick a couple of those shots out of that sequence to keyframe. And by keyframe, I mean just do like a detailed sketch over that one shot, and then that will further inform the next series of rough storyboards. So that way I don't have to go through and do them perfectly. And I'm finding that to be very useful on something like a feature that has a ridiculous amount of storyboards needed. And I'm just doing it myself. Um, so it's been pretty good for that. And the other thing that I find fascinating with it is that when you make these panels in the 3D environment, you could always double click on it and go back into the 3D environment. Because oftentimes as I progress and I get further into a scene and I start to change the perspective or the angle, I'm like, man, it would have been great if this was back in that further. And I can go back and change that initial design by just double clicking on it on a prior storyboard frame. Pretty cool shit. Uh, I'm really digging it. And it's uh, really given me time to get out of the looking for stock footage and get into my brain and be like, what is the most, what is the most essential shot for this? And what is what shot is going to give it the most emotional impact here? Huh. And that's been where I've been thinking. Which is fun and cool and scary, by the way. It's, it's very scary because you heard me rant and rave about other shows and be like, what the fuck? The coverage doesn't mean anything. Well, that's because that come up with coverage that means something takes a lot of fucking thought process, you know? And it's an interesting thing. I just started, I'm still trying to figure it out. Just started doing it. I found that one of the things that I like to do is on the script itself, I'll go through line for line basically what's going to happen in a scene, right? So we have uh, a line of uh, a description here in a script, in a script, that's all I'm going to say, of a main character runs stride for stride with her father, knifing into the woods, whacking through branches, right? And so I sit there and I go, okay. So the coverage for that, I have a, when I read that, I see an image in my mind, right? And so the image in my mind is like long lens, either steady cam or on a dolly running parallel with her just as fast and setting up a bunch of trees in between her and our camera. So that way that's amplifying the speed. So you're having through that parallax that, you know what I mean? That high speed shit. That's cool. And then of course I'll get details of her feet. Of course I'll get all that stuff. But before I get too far into this, what is the visual emotion of this scene? And where is the character emotionally as she's running through the woods? And I'm like, okay. And so next to this, I, I just write simple words like driven, focused. Like what her intent is. Because then uh, making it a tight lens makes sense. 
because I'm in her head. And it doesn't matter how many trees she runs by, she's on a fucking mission. You know what I mean? So then you're like, okay, that makes sense visually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I'm doing is I'm subtly telling you that through the tone, right? It's pretty cool. It's cool shit. And then once you make those notes, you then go back to your, your toolbox. There's that word again that we've been using over and over again, your toolbox. You go back into that toolbox and you go, when was the last time I saw like a really emotionally driven person? Remember that shot in this movie? What were they doing? What were they doing to make me feel that way? And I go and look at that and I go, okay, I'm not going to rip that off, but that's interesting and that's interesting and that's interesting. Okay, we'll use some of those elements. Sounds good. And before you guys get into that mode where you're like, hey, you're just fucking stealing shit. I'm not, man. I'm learning the language that they developed. And I'm, I'm writing something new, visually writing something new with that language. Uh, how many of you have seen Scarface? Right? Remember Scarface, Al Pacino? What an amazing movie, right? First of its kind. <laughs> no, not really. It's a fucking remake. That movie's a remake. I think it was from... Uh, Howard Hawks did it, by the way. There's that other director's name that I've mentioned multiple times in the show. Howard Hawks. And those of you who are like, who the fuck is Howard Hawks? Oh, he just does stuff in black and white? Ugh. Fuck you, dude. Uh, the, he's the guy that has influenced Spielberg. He's the guy that influenced John Carpenter. Uh, he's amazing. And I actually watched the other day uh, his version of Scarface, which was the original Scarface. Um, and the blocking in that movie is fucking phenomenal. He was doing shit like moving through walls into sets at a time period where that really wasn't being done. I think he had built this is really wacky shot that I can't figure out when I look at it. But I think he built a set in a strange perspective. There's a shot, if you watch the movie, where he's shooting a street sign. And it looks like the city's kind of bowing behind it. And then he moves it down onto a set. I think he literally built that set to bow behind that street sign for that specific shot, knowing what lens that was, and then turned it down to a regular set, like panned it down. That's some fucking cool shit, man. Talk about using the visual language of cinema. And for those of you who go, but it's black and white, and there's no effects in it, and the fucking sound sounds... Dude, they're using all these amazing techniques to make an amazing fucking movie. And it's the language at its core. And it's such an emotionally driven language. And it's what a lot of the shit is missing. Like, he didn't fucking pan down from a, from a forced perspective set to actors sitting there talking about what they just did. He panned down to someone doing something, physically doing something on camera. Can you imagine that? <sighs> I don't know. Like I said, like I was saying before, and I don't, maybe I didn't talk about it enough before. I mentioned the marvelous Miss Maisel. We've had the amazing production designer from that show, Mr. Bill Groom on the show. He was fucking phenomenal. It's a great episode. Go back and listen to it. He talks about that show and how he puts his art onto that show, how he designs these sets. Um, and the set design and the costumes are amazing on that show, but that's only part of it. The thing that's really great about that show to me is the blocking. The fucking blocking on that show is stunning. 
I was watching a scene, I think it happens in the last episode of season three, uh, and I turn the audio off. Sometimes I will watch stuff on television with no audio because then you have no choice but to be completely focused on the visual language, right? Because you're cutting out all those other emotional triggers, important emotional triggers. But when you're trying to study how these things work, do yourself a favor. When you're watching this stuff, shut off the audio, right? So I shut off the audio and I watch the sequence. It's the lead. It's the main character. She's in a coffee shop with her husband. And it's this really cool time passage thing where it shows them going from being married to being divorced to where they are right now, right? And so they do this bit where they're sitting at this table in this diner and they're having this really interesting conversation about what it's like to still provide for children when you're divorced. It's, it's fascinating. The dialogue in itself is interesting because they're talking about what a lot of people go through currently but they're saying it in a new way. And they're revealing new things about this. It's not the same old fucking tropes like, you're never around. Uh, You don't care about me. You know what I mean? It's none of that bullshit that we see on every fucking soap opera drama on there. They're actually getting into nitty gritty stuff. Like, we gotta get our kid into the school and how do we work together to do that? Right? Something that you're like, oh fuck, maybe I'll learn something from this conversation. But shut that off, right? You see these two, sitting in this space, you see them emotionally reacting to each other. They do this really cool bit where to show the transition of time, the camera comes up from this, they have like a, a two shot and it comes up in like a long take and they both walk out the front door and as they walk out the front door with the same car passing, I don't know how they did it, same car passing, suddenly he walks back in, a completely different outfit, so there was a cut in there somewhere, completely different outfit, Different outfit, looks younger, sits down and has a conversation with her who's sitting there in the restaurant. She walked out. So there was obviously a hidden cut that worked really well where they changed their outfits and they did their thing. And that in itself was super cool because you're on set, right? And you have two people sitting across each other from the table and they go, okay, so in this sequence, you guys are going to run through. This is before you got divorced. You guys are going to run through this sequence, okay? Camera's going to come up to a top shot. We're going to lock it here. Camera crew, lock it here. If that shit moves, we're fucked. Lock it down. Okay, great. So then the camera comes up. Boom. The two actors walk out. Cut it. Right? So they cut it. But real cleverly, they have a car passing the street, on the street. So I feel like they just rotoed that guy out. They rotoscoped that car out. Right? Because then they wanted to, stick, to really continue to hide the seam that was being made, which is this jump cut. So cut it. All right, great. Leave camera where it is, change wardrobe. So you know they have to change wardrobe. You know that that's going to take a couple minutes, right? And I don't think they were doing anything crazy with her hair because the hair would be the big thing that would take the most amount of time. The rest of it, they could probably swap out pretty quick. You know, you got like 10 minutes, go, boom. Five minutes, do it. So they swap out their outfits. Then she comes back in the restaurant. The camera doesn't move. She comes back in the restaurant, sits down, brand new outfit, maybe a little bit different makeup, sits down, waits to be revealed on camera, and then he's out in the street. And roll camera again, and then he walks in, brand new outfit, camera comes back to the table, and they sit down, and they're there again. So when you watch that scene, it happens seamlessly. Fucking cool, right? Transition in time. Fun transition in time. Something that keeps you in the atmosphere, keeps you in the diner. Now in the background of this thing, while they're having this conversation, there are an ass load of extras. 
a ton of extras, all outfitted for period stuff. And they're not just sitting in the background and like twiddling their thumbs. They're doing things. There's a woman that's like running a diner. Like she's serving up plates of pies and fucking food. And she's doing that in the background the whole conversation. She's working hard. (laughs) That actress is working hard at a diner in the background. There's some guy that runs by behind our main actor on the street that is having the worst day of his life. And that's an extra. That's what makes that show so fucking good. So when you're sitting there and you're watching this scene, a scene that is worth me sitting here and talking to you about, you're watching people do things. You're seeing them do things. And I think that what happens is you get these scripts that are written simply. It's that formula. Written simply. And then you bring on a director. And as we've heard before, with Leslie, who's been on our show, and other directors that have worked for television, you're for hire, so you come in. And so, unless you're someone that really, really fucks with the fucking visual language of cinema, you're just going to go to that script, and you're going to do what's on that script, and you're going to run to that, because you're dealing with the showrunner, you're dealing with everybody that works on that show consistently anyways, and they're like, don't fuck it up, the system ain't broken, this is our fucking thing, man. Don't mess with it. So then... They just sort of bang these things out. So then you get those uninspired, super slow, walk down the street fucking conversations. You know? And it's not because these people aren't that talented. They are that talented. It's just the system. The system that procreates this shit. You know? And it's on you. It's on you, the viewer. Demand more right? You're subscribing to these things. Demand more. Write to Netflix and tell Netflix, hey, look, I love this filmmaker. This filmmaker is who I want to see stuff from because I like her vision. I like the way she makes movies. Telling you, if you guys gave a fuck about that and you guys started writing to them and saying, look, I'm not going to subscribe to you unless you guys start giving a shit about the filmmakers and the storytellers that I love. Bring them on the show. Bring them on the fucking network. Why don't you finance one of their movies? Right? And it, inclusive all the way, man. It doesn't matter who it is. White, black, brown, man, woman, they, doesn't fucking matter. Anybody that's got a great story and knows how to tell that story visually, please, let's do that. And they're out there. And to be fair, a lot of these places have helped those people make movies, but it's getting tougher because these algorithms are like, well, apparently all people want to do is watch the Fab Five redo the same thing again this week. And maybe we'll do another show about Colombian drug lords. You know what I mean? You feeling it? (laughs) I don't know. What do I know? There's probably some reason behind the scenes that makes all the sense in the world. And I just don't know. But maybe we'll get there. I'll have to try to get someone on the show from one of these networks. And be like, okay, so how does this work? Like, really, how does this work? Because tell us. 
tell us how it works because we're the ones that are that are waiting to make stuff for you. Ultimately, you need us. You need creatives to do this sort of thing and build you your content. So if we understand how it works more than you're letting on, then maybe we can be creative in that space, more creative in that space. You know what I mean? Like maybe it doesn't have to be this mythical fucking thing where you're like, they said no, and I have no, I, I don't know why, <laughs> right? Our business is so mythical, and there's no system, and there's no rules in place to make it work. And remember that as you're getting into this, and you're like, hey, look, I'm doing everything the right way. I've gone to film school. I've spent, uh, you, Mike, you've said that it takes 10,000 hours on this show, and I'm at 10,001, so I am ready for this. Guys, I don't know how it fucking works. Some days it does, some days it doesn't. Some days what I'm talking about is on point. Sometimes what I'm talking about is completely off the fucking mark. And it's because no one knows, especially right now, with COVID and the economy where it is, producers, agents, managers, executives, they have no fucking clue. They know as much as you and I do. So it's very scary as far as like, what do we put our money into? And where's the economy going to be? It's a very hard time to be someone that is in charge of that stuff. I do not envy that. Um, but keep us informed. Keep us in the loop. Let us know what's happening. Because we can make stuff for you in, that, in, that, in those confines. Does that make sense? Anyway, I hope you guys liked this episode. It's been a while since I've sort of come on and just ranted and raved. Um, and uh, it was kind of therapeutic. Nice. I hope I didn't fuck myself with anything I said today. And um, like I said, take it in stride. Because what the fuck do I know? <laughs> uh, but as always, I appreciate you guys listening. And uh, I promised we're at 1.30, so I'm going to end it now. And uh, 1.30, and I still had some bleeder on that that I'm going to cut off. So it's under 1.30. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Follow me at Mike Petchy on Instagram. Follow the podcast. It'll level the process. POD on Instagram. And stay tuned next Tuesday. We have a fantastic episode coming out. We have one of the dudes that's really in charge behind the scenes with all those LED walls that they've been using on uh, Metalorian. Talk about the techniques that he learned, his background in video games, uh, and uh, how what it's really like to shoot on one of those walls. And uh, spoiler alert, it's not as easy as they say it is. Okay, guys. I will see you next Tuesday. <laughs>